I'm actually announcing today, people, since people are going to start being worrying because he's not, it's Austin won't have been on the show for two episodes in a row. Yeah, the titular uh, Austin. We, we, I am changing this podcast. Austin is no longer a part of it. It's now solely called uh, Posting with Peyton. And it's going to be me giving all of your, <laughs> all of you, all of you, my hot posting tips on how to uh, get those likes and retweets on Twitter and how to, Excellent. how to, how to just post up a storm and be the next twitter sensation the blue check king you can be a hero poster all you want you you can you can get the coveted justin wang retweets and uh so today's the first episode of posting with peyton we're going to be explaining uh how to get uh reply guys uh on every tweet you make so buckle up uh and get ready to post here we go Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, that was a bit. It is still called Explaining to Austin. Uh, Austin, by all, ca- all accounts, should be back next week. Um, you know, like I said, uh, life happens, and sometimes you can't be here. So uh, no worries. But in Austin's place, we do have returning for their second uh, guest spot on Explaining to Austin. We have our good friend, uh, Alex from House of Decline. Welcome. Hello back to the show uh since we last talked to you uh there there was a big development not long after we talked to you you did get banned on twitter on your personal (laughs) account yes that was very sad but it's good i realized that all of my bad posts are gone no one can look into my history anymore to find something shameful that i've posted in the past which i'm sure that's true so, uh, yeah. I can still see the DMs between us from that account, so I'm going to leak uh, all of your harassing oh, DMs and, and, and pictures you sent me. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. I can't believe you, you'll send all those pictures of me hold it, uh, sending you your social security number. Yes. Um, but, yeah, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Um, it's good to be back. I'm feeling ready. I'm good. feeling ready to, to learn things from you, to learn things from your expansive mind. What you've absorbed. Uh, thank you. Uh, my new my new bit for the for this show is going to be uh, drinking ice loudly on mic. Good. It's ASMR. People like that shit. <laughs> That's a, uh, Those noises are very fun to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I could I could listen to that for. I I do like the sound of. You know what's the best sound up close is carbonated drinks. Uh, the pouring of a carbonated beverage really up close is a very satisfying segue. That is true, and that's a unintentionally fantastic segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we got into the episode and our real uh, topic for today, I did have a, uh, a topic I wanted to uh, mainly just complain to you about, and it has direct, it is about carbonated drinks in a way. Okay. Uh, again, this is, is going to be a very, like, um, you know... Uh, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. A very, this is a very like, uh, you know, spoiled baby PMC. You know, a uh, little whiny baby, whiny baby complaint. It's that, okay to have whiny baby no, complaints. It, it, it's fine. It is, but you know, I, to to say that I don't have it would be lying. So I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, you know, it's not a main issue in my life or anyone's life, but I do have a complaint. So I'm gonna air it right now. 
for the record, once and for all, I want to say uh, Coke Freestyle machines are bullshit, and none of the drinks from it taste as good as they as the regular version of said drink. Interesting. Now, because do, people have people are very polarized on this issue, the Coke Freestyle issue. Now you you so you're aware of what I mean when I say Coke Freestyle machine? The, those are the machines that have the little touchscreen computer interface, so that you can make you know pomegranate Coke if you want. Yes, they you have many flavors, <laughs> vari- variations on on all the classic beverages, all the classic beverages you want from Coke to Sprite to the juices to Fanta. And then, of course, special flavorings for each. You know, like you just said, there's stuff like uh, orange Coke and uh, lime Coke and uh, uh, grape Sprite, etc. So, yes, that is the Coke Freestyle Machine. Yes, that is my gripe. I will admit, when those first hit the scene, it's been a while. I want to say maybe 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe a little less than that. Uh, you know, it was very exciting because it's like, wow, check this machine out. It's got all these options. It's like being at the World of Coke. Have you ever been mm-hmm. to the World of Coke in Atlanta? I've not been to the World of Coke. Is that is that? Uh, it sounds like a great club it, in the eighties. It when is. They were doing yeah. All that stuff. Uh, no, it's it is the Coca Cola like. Uh, I, I don't. Museum feels not accurate because there's like a 4D movie. It's the old Coke plantation. It's where like you can get your plantation wedding. Yeah, it's like a it's like a Coke uh advertising experience of course coke being uh, originally created in atlanta and headquartered there it's in atlanta the big thing though that we that you looked forward to as a kid if you went there is in the fi- the final area before the gift shop is the uh like taste of the world center and basically there are little little places with uh soda you know dispensers and you can try all sorts of different coca-cola products from all around the world as well as having a regular soda fountain area that has regular you know your basic coke products and it's you can drink as much as you like while you're in that room go Mm. crazy and wild we went there in fifth grade on a field trip (laughs) and multiple people threw up from drinking too much soda that's what you got to do. That's I, I mean, it's a delicious flavor. Uh, the cola nut is yes. one of the most undervalued products in the world. Uh, but here's the thing about fountain drinks in general. I've always found fountain drinks to be inferior to that of carbonated beverages canned or really? uh, served in glasses. I, I, I feel like because fount- fountain drinks, it always has the too much syrup taste. Hmm. So they're always too syrupy. And I know it's probably just the same thing as in the can, but um, I'm also a big believer that the can flavors the cola. You need the aluminum in it because it gives it that slightly metallic taste. When chilled, it uh, creates the ultimate beverage experience. So I've always been a skeptic of fountain drinks. Hmm. Well, so getting back, I I, I, I disagree, and I'll explain it because it has to okay. do with my freestyle Going back, though, the freestyle when it first hit the scene, I was very pumped about it as a younger person because yeah. it reminded me of that that World of Coke special flavor experience right. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of all these options and, and strange combinations. However, my, my feeling now is uh, that nothing, none of the drinks that come are dispensed by the freestyle machine uh, taste like they should normally Mm -hmm. uh be it your basic coke you know this is mainly referring to your most basic so like regular coke out of a freestyle does not taste like regular coke from a singular soda fountain thing or a can or bottle um and now i'm not sure i have hypotheses one is because the freestyle all goes through to some degree one final 
dispenser nozzle. Um, I don't know what the inner workings are, but they definitely all, at least at the very end, pass through the one that there is for the dispensing. So um, there's like a gestalt of flavors in the nozzle. That right. It's turn... like it's like yeah. when you would do suicide cup of uh, every single flavor at McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. But it's all of that captured in the nozzle. So you're getting little bits of random other things along with yours, and yeah. it's diluting the taste. Um, that's one hypothesis. The second one is... Uh, Maybe because of the fact that they're cramming so many syrups into one machine, uh, the ratios are off or like the the, maybe the syrups are different uh, are are tweaked to, uh, you know, either compensate for when you add the extra flavor of, you know, Coke lemon or whatever. uh, Or it's just because of space or design. I feel like the syrup is different in the freestyle than it is in regular things because I'll say this, unlike you, I prefer vastly a singular, you know, just regular uh, soda fountain where it's, you know, each one has each whatever drink has its own little nozzle that you. Okay, you're an ice fan, right? Are you an ice fan? Uh, I mean, I like I like ice not too much, but, you know, I like it. I like ice. Uh, See, I don't like I don't I like I like a soda neat. No, no, I, no, I don't like it on the rack. Yeah, no, I prefer ice if it's an option. And I feel like there's a, there are some places I can vividly think of where, like, the Coke just hits better than anywhere else. Like, there's a pizza place near my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have a classic just regular soda fountain. You know, McDonald's in the past, I don't know how they are now, but in the past, McDonald's Coke. Uh, and I know people say McDonald's Sprite as well. So I think there's something with the – you know, I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said where you don't have the contamination and it's just singular soda fountain for each flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's my gripe is uh, Coke Freestyle Machines, nothing coming out of it tastes as good as it should. Yeah, I think – so this has polarized people on Twitter because some people are like, this this wasn't that good. And other people are like, no, this is a beacon of civilization. This is what everything has been leading up to. So many – wonderful different flavors all in the same technologized hub and uh uh i i i think i i agree more with you if i'm but like i said i i my opinion is way off in the other i think that the only true serving experience is inside glass or aluminum i think i think those are the only especially like i hate coke served out of plastic bottles if it touches anything plastic Hmm. and it's absolutely totally psychological maybe or maybe the slightly acidic nature of the coke is slightly melting slightly (laughs) slightly melting the plastic leading to an overall plasticky flavor you're drinking those microplastics and it's killing your sperm yeah exactly well i wasn't using them anyway uh i as as um as someone, as very much someone who is a soda, considers themselves a, a soda girl, someone who, I, I didn't start drinking alcohol until after my 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for many years, I was just, soda was my vice, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, you know, not out of some like Mormonism or anything. I just, I don't know. It's, I just had no I just didn't have a desire until later. Now I do. Cause I realize oh, there are things that taste good that like alcohol. Not everything tastes like, uh, Bud Light. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like mojitos for instance. Uh, but where was I going with this? Um, uh, you yeah. were, you were a soda girl right. for, for, for 21 I, years. Uh, but, uh, my, if I had to draw in completely unnecessary, ridiculous, 
socio-political connection to the coke freestyle machine and its uh its problems and unnecessariness i'd say it's it's very much in the capitalist mode of like oh we need all this choice 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 equals freedom and having all of these choices of you know of uh of uh lime sprite uh, and lemon sprite but not you can have lemon lime sprite but you can also have lime sprite and lemon sprite <laughs> or uh you can have high c you know blue raspberry yeah. uh or gin- cardamom fanta coke coke flavored ginger ale or whatever yeah. it's this ridiculous thing where it's like oh choice equals better equals freedom yeah. uh when we don't really need it because like who who really needs like uh who, who really needs um you know blue blue raspberry flavored vitamin water uh out of out of a soda out of a soda fountain machine there, there are a lot, there's there's probably a facebook group out there with like tens of thousands of people who are like the blue raspberry vitamin water fans who are like will will fucking kill themselves in front of the coca-cola company in georgia in droves on mass yeah, like a cult in protest if they try to get rid of it yeah. sitting outside the the yeah the world of coke in atlanta like the uh the vietnamese monk on fire yeah exactly. <laughs> they're all setting themselves on fire because you can't it. get blue raspberry vitamin water that's gonna happen well you know uh, we need to replace god with something and so uh, does the answer it's a, I I it's it's done more to enrich my life than any deity. Yeah, that's any, fair. That's fair. than any than any guy in the sky. Look at me. I'm I'm going back to 2006 so, Reddit atheism here. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my Peyton's uh, petulant gripe. That's the name of that segment. That's good. Uh, soda freestyle machines bad. Normal soda fountain mach- machine dispenser is good. And Alex yeah. thinks cans good. And can, I think can, they're, can I think they're glass, okay. Can or glass, uh, and I am a Mexican Coke evangelist. Oh, I mean, come, yeah, you got, I mean, yeah, glass, a nice glass Coke, especially the Mexican Cokes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any argument that that's not good. That is, that is the, to me, that is the essential cola experience. And that's. Nothing, nothing comes close. That's the final word on, 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 on the cola wars. Mm-hmm. Teach the world to sing. Sing with me. For uh, thank you, Alex, and thank you, audience, for uh, uh, what's the term I'm thinking of? Um, for ab- abiding, uh, withstanding, withstanding. I guess I don't know. Whatever <laughs> for putting up with bearing uh, down for putting up with uh, uh, us rambling about soda uh, uh, preferences. <laughs> I think that's. I think everybody likes soda. Everybody uh, feels feels the the gift of soda in their lives yeah it is it is literally effervescent Not, and people lifts us all people who are like oh I, I only drink water like who literally don't drink anything but water like not even coffee or tea those people always yeah. give me like creepy vibe. like i'm always like what the fuck how, how they're not beverage people you can't trust people that don't like beverages yeah i guess that's unfair of me to say because my sister's like that and i don't have any issue with her but she's never liked any like she's younger than me she's 
about to graduate high school and she's never liked anything but basically she likes water and she likes uh like coffee and she likes water you know like starbucks coffee drinks and uh like a hot chocolate occasionally but mostly it's water but she, starbucks and coffee drinks i to me those those cross over from beverage to dessert right you know? right i agree so like really on the beverage front at meals she's not drinking anything but water so I've always been fascinated by that. She just doesn't have a desire or taste for anything but the but the good life-giving clear stuff. Well, I respect that, but I don't understand it. Same. Uh same there. But uh changing topics completely. Uh Alex, what can, do you remember you went, you went to uh, some form of college or university, correct? I did go to some form of college or university. Now, do you remember any of the living situations, specifically yes. uh, school-connected housing or dorm? Yes. Specifically, there was one dormitory on my campus called Tewksbury, which was known – it was just this gigantic concrete slab, which, by virtue of its layout, caused madness and uh, – <laughs> So yeah, uh, the dorm I lived in was actually quite quite all right, uh, and it didn't have the same madness-inducing quality. I had a nice window, and it was a walk-up. And uh, isn't isn't a toque what you Canadians call a hat, uh, like, a, <laughs> like a toboggan or a beanie? A beanie, yeah, that's what they get. Yeah, toque. You got to get your toques on. But uh, unrelated to that name of the ho- the building, I assume. No, that is. It's a very funny Canadian thing. We we also call uh, abortions uh, fanny doozles. <laughs> yeah, that's a Canadian thing. You know, we huh. we had the big fanny doozle debate up, up in Canada. And, and, you know, and you call you call uh, Native American genocide uh, relocation and reeducation. Yes. Yes, that is uh, a very that is a very funny thing about Canada that, that we do. That is, uh, yeah, uh, it's obviously everything is built on the boards of genocide, uh, uh, and we, as we partake in it, we can only help but feel guilty about it because uh, our entire existence and premise for being here is that long ago someone was slaughtered in our name. Right. So just that's great. That's great. Uh, I will say, in terms of uh, school housing, uh, my hometown there's a state university, and there are uh, there are housing for there, but for that, which uh, basically they're little like um, I think they're like two apartments each holding multiple people, but mm-hmm. they've always been called the shoe boxes because they're kind of like just small rectangular single story uh, yeah. little you know apartment houses. Um, and I always thought that was interesting. And then in my in my uni- I I didn't go to my home the university in my hometown because I had to be the cool kid and leave to go to art school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the place the place for freshmen at my uh, college that had just been recently c- completed before I came like a year or two was called because our mascot was the was bees. Uh, it was called the hive. Uh, oh great! Yeah, in there. Uh, fun fact: there was a sign near one of the buildings because this was in in a in a kind of part of Georgia near the water. There was a sign saying uh, "caution, watch for alligators" or something like that. I never mm. saw one there. I think they just put it there as a precaution. Well, uh, th- that's good. And in, in my school, we had to watch for ticks. It was the most highly concentrated area of ticks in not only North America but the world. Wow. And- 
So, uh, actually, that was the worst mushroom trip I ever had, uh, where I decided to lie down in the woods for 15 oh. minutes, and then I, when I when I arose, I was covered in ticks, and it was just Jeez. brushing off my legs and yelling, ticks, ticks, wow. ticks. And then I went back to my dormitory and had ego death. So uh, that was that was, uh, and I never touched shrooms after oh, that. I still scary. like acid. That sounds it's like not, it's not that it's lame. Sounds like a Kafka esque uh, moment of metaphoric change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except I would have loved to have turned into a cockroach because uh, you know no no cost of living for a cockroach. That's true. On the topic though, I bring up this topic of school housing and dorms. Uh, because, as you might have heard, uh, in California, there is a dorm that is potentially going to be built, a dorm like no other. Uh, <laughs> a dorm that shares much more in common with the, what's it called, the Kunwun Walled City or whatever? Kowloon Walled City Kowloon. in Hong Kong. Uh, it has much more c- relation to that than it does your standard uh, freshman dormitory. Uh, are you aware of what I'm talking about? Yes, I believe I've heard of this uh, cube dorm, but uh, what what is it? How did it happen? What is it? What is its deal? Who's funding it? Well, uh, this first came. I first saw the news of this. It was a couple days, sometime last week. Yeah. This article is from yesterday, though, and I liked the the title, so I decided to read this one because I figured it had the majority of the same info as the one I saw initially. It's called uh, titled from the Los Angeles Times: Dear UC Santa Barbara. Don't let a petulant billionaire build a prison dorm on your campus. <laughs> yeah. Sums it up. And then there is a picture of this dorm, which is a very large uh, rectangle built in that kind of uh, kind of cuby gentrification uh, style. Yeah, the five over one style. Yeah, as they like to do um, yeah. modern in modern cities. It's in the caption for the picture is a rendering shows the proposed Munger Hall. Munger Hall? Yeah, that's... Munger? His name is Munger? M-U-N-G-E-R. I'm going to assume that's pronounced Munger. That's Uh, a really... It sounds like a Dickens villain or something. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, uh, Fagan Dormitory (laughs) for for boys, for young boys. Ooh, no. Uh, Yeah, so it's at UC Santa Barbara, which would house more than... 4,500 students. The exterior windows shown would not reach most of the dorm rooms on the interior. 94% of the units would not have windows. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so, are you ready to jump in uh, and, yeah. and find out about all about this wonderful, wonderful human social experiment? Uh, yeah. So, it starts out, she's making some quips. This is by Carolina... Yeah, Carolina A. Miranda. She says, there's dumb, there's dumber, and then there is what is happening at UC Santa Barbara in the planning and design of a new student dorm, which takes dumb and multiplies it by a factor of willful ignorance squared. So then back... You're really hitting these dumb, these dumb metaphors. Well, I mean, you gotta... These st- dumb jokes. You gotta start your article somehow. It is pretty fucking dumb. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I, at least she's coming out negatively against it. At least it's not an article like, I believe students would be better off yeah. in the prison dorm. Uh, yeah. So the backstory, UC Santa Barbara is in the middle of grappling with a student housing crunch that has the university housing some students in hotels. 
Enter 97-year-old billionaire Charles Munger, an executive at Berkshire Hathaway, who was not a licensed architect but seems to want to play one on TV. That's a that's a fun thing to be a hobbyist. Who's an architectural hobbyist? Yeah, I, I remember in the the initial article I read last week, it referred to him as like a um like uh yeah an amateur architect or something or a a hobbyist architect, which is a very funny. That's like a rich person hobby. Yeah, I, I feel like you either like you make architecture your full thing, your day job, or you don't do it at all. It's not like something that you can just dabble in. There's That's like of... the the guy in Ghostbusters who built who builds the building with the the hell portal on top of it. Yeah, yeah, he was he was an architectural dabbler. Uh, so this says in 2016, Munger announced he would donate 200 million to the university for a student dorm building he would design and name after himself. <laughs> His solution to the housing crunch, stuff more than uh, 4,500 students into an 11-story warehouse-sized building in which the overwhelming majority of units, about 94%, do not have access to natural light or fresh air. Who needs those? You know, we're already a culture of neats and Twitch streamers. We don't natural light and fresh air. We have to remember, though, Mr. Munger is a billionaire. Therefore, he is smart, and he thought this through. Because uh, being a billionaire means you are correct and successful. So exactly. don't, do not worry. He thought this through. It says, in lieu of windows, students in Munger Hall would instead use a knob to manipulate the degree of artificial light illuminating their, their cells. I mean rooms. And because that isn't enough dystopia, the whole fake lighting system was inspired by the artificial portholes that Disney devised for its cruise ships. <laughs> The art, so I didn't know about that. I didn't know that. Uh, presumably, Disney cruise ships they don't all have portholes. So on the inner cabins, they have little uh, imagineered versions yeah. of the sea, and, and Disney s- versions of the and sea. the Sebastian from and Flounder from Little Mermaid float by, I guess. Oh my! That's... And Finding Nemo. I, I you okay? You get to so, find Nemo while you lay in your bed. So whenever you look out your regular window, all you're seeing is a bunch of real squirrels. You aren't seeing any cartoon squirrels. No. And I, so if there were if there were cartoon squirrels in these hypothetical light rigs, I I think I could be enticed. Sure. Um, I also I don't know if it's touched on in this, but I did remember reading in the other article that uh, it's also to encourage students to not spend as much time in their personal rooms and areas, but communal ones uh, as well. Okay. That's okay. So that's interesting because the dorm that I was talking about, Tewksbury, it had the same philosophy essentially. Everyone was just the rooms were so shitty and dank that everyone would just hang out in the common room. And, it's, like, it's like clo- it's like it's like a walls that uh, start closing in on themselves to force the rat out of its little cage into the yeah. into the area to facilitate the social experiment. Yeah, it's I. I mean, I'm not a, eat, a get in the pod, eat the bugs person. I'm not afraid that's gonna happen. But uh, it seems like they're telling us to get in the pod, waiting for the bugs, though. Right. So uh, yeah, okay. This is yeah. So it was originally reported last week by the uh, Santa Barbara Independent. That's where I initially saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this article references that, and it says um, that it was in reference to how Los Angeles architect Dennis McFadden, a design principal at Leo A. Daly, who served on the UC Santa Barbara Design Review Committee for nearly 15 years, had resigned from the committee in protest over the project. 
saying the basic concept of Munger Hall as a place for students to live is unsupportable from my perspective as an architect, a parent, and a human being. (laughs) I cannot give tacit approval to this project, something I believe I would be doing by continuing my role as a consulting architect uh, to the DRC, which is the, I don't know, some sort of committee for the Mm -hmm. school. So, uh, yeah, so we have an actual architect, not just a fake one, saying uh, no bad idea. Yeah, not, not on, not on like, a f- uh, just a technical level, but on a fundamental moral level as right. well. <laughs> right, yeah, as a human being. Uh, yeah, he- as a human being, I cannot lend my name to approve of this. It says McFadden also notes that the committee, which uh, was established to help the university achieve, quote, design of the highest possible quality, was given no opportunity to challenge, evolve, or finesse Munger's design. <laughs> well, you know, he's paying for it. You know, you do you do you have dorm money? Do you have dormitory money? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, we got to bend to the will of the, the, the donors. Come on. Uh, he says it was clear the DRC was a mere formality. The design was described as 100% complete. Approval was not requested. No vote was taken and no further submittals are intended or required. Yeah. So it's, this says in the past, Munger has shown little appetite for the idiosyncrasies of design. In 2019, interview with the good old Wall Street Journal, the bastion for human uh you know empathy and rights that it is right yeah. uh, he described most conventional architecture as massively stupid and noted either i change architects or he does it my way i i don't know i'm sort of starting to like this guy now he's got this he's got a kanye-esque energy so uh maybe we it, it, he's just ahead of his time uh, over the weekend, apparently Munger expressed little way of regret to CBS Market Watch, saying, um, you've got to get used to the fact that billionaires aren't the most popular people in our society. I'd rather be a billionaire and not loved by everybody than not have any money. Well, those are the only two options, of course. And, and I mean, that's not really that's not really an issue with uh, that. That's just him saying I like being a billionaire uh, rather than actually addressing the building. Yeah. People will kill each other in this building. It will become Thunderdome. It's going yeah. to it's going to result in uh suicides. People can't handle being cooped up. You need natural light, I suppose. Maybe this will be a grand experiment in showing that we don't. Oh, and- here we go. I went to the actual article of Market Watch and it says as for the architectural critiques, Munger said those are par of the course on any building project. Quote, it's hard to get any two architects to ever agree about anything. Architecture is a game of trade-offs. <laughs> you know, trading off uh, efficiency for uh for 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 human sanity. <laughs> yeah, trading off fire exits for uh burning students. I also, I'm trying to find it in this article. I believe it's somewhere, maybe it's in the independent article, and I'll go back to, um, it, uh, it, it says there's only two entrances, uh, <laughs> and I, maybe that's only, like, official, and maybe there are a bunch of fire exits that aren't normally used, but even then, that's a lot of people only going in and out of two entrances. Those are always going to be crowded and packed. Mm-hmm. So, so what you've got here. You've got 4,500 young people, all in this space, not subjected to natural light and just smelling each other's farts constantly. Yes. And there's only two X's so that if anyone were to burn anything accidentally, everyone would be forced to leave during a fire drill 
among 4,500 dumbass drunk college students. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this this is uh, this is good. This is good. I think it, it's going to be like everyone likes these dystopian games. Everyone likes the Squid Game, and everyone likes <laughs> Battle Royale. And we've shown that everyone likes people being pitted against each other in deadly competition. So I, I right. think this will lead to that. It's like uh, Judge, have you, you see, like 20, well, 2015-16's Dread, uh, yes. but instead of Peachtree Towers in Mega City 1, it's uh, Munger Tower in, in Dorm City 1. Yeah, they're going to have to get some uh, disgusting uh, rent-a-cop security guard who thinks they're Judge Dredd. Yeah, the the whole thing, the crux is, you know, I, I think I mentioned this, Munger specified that it has to be done exactly to his, you know, liking, or else uh, he won't donate the, the two, right. 200 million. Uh, this is from the, the, so the leadership at UC Santa Barbara seems to be going with it. Uh, the chancellor said in july that the he described the dorm as inspired and a revolutionary design concept uh well sure in that it will lead to a student revolution once they've been uh <laughs> oppressed enough you know yes. once they've they, they've felt the burden of accelerated capitalist decay on their necks it Correct. will foment in the same way that company towns in inadvertently led to uh, the American labor movement because everybody was just crammed together and had nothing else to talk about but their misery with each other. Right. Are you are you familiar with the, like, um, you know, it's like a famous uh, 20th century scientific experiment that was like the, uh, what was it? It was like the rat city. It's like what, it's what the rats in, in uh, Secret of Nim are like actually based on. There was a, they they made an experiment with a rat city and the rats uh, erected a social hierarchy or something or I don't know. Yeah, it was called um it was called what was it? It was called like the the rat or the mouse utopia. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's called the mouse utopia experiment and it's basically like um yeah, they, they basically they um put a bunch of rats together in like a uh, you know, like housing colony um and uh you know with with limited space um and basically to see like uh what would happen with this many creatures living in a defined space yeah they apparently it's a behavioral sink yes i'm reading i just pulled that up as well yeah so it's uh it's a collapse in behavior that results from overcrowding wow oh my that seems like it's gonna it, it's sort of prescient right um so yeah we're they're all gonna turn into a bunch of like feral mice and and start to like eat each other in uh, mm. in a system of hierarchy um so i'm glad that we have this to look forward to um mm-hmm. i mean you know there's a lot wrong with the modern you know college system but uh you know certainly uh I'd say I wasn't expecting a dorm that uh, has the 94% of its rooms inside without windows to be yeah. one of them. So are do the common areas have access to windows because I, okay. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to play a devil's advocate here. What if it's actually a really good idea? What if it actually encourages people to be less isolated by making the prospect of being alone in one's own room 
a terrifying ordeal. <laughs> so people are forced to go out. That's the what only I think. <laughs> I believe that the whole thing is, yeah, the, I think like big common areas are like the area for um, with the windows that face the outside. And so it's trying to push people to spend more time in those. But, it, you know, like. I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of using like uh, your the the human need for sunlight as the as the motivator of like you have to socialize or else you're gonna die of you know of 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 sensory deprivation. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I the buildings. It's it's interesting how the mere shape of your surroundings can affect your behavior in profound ways. I think I remember of hearing a book called The Edifice Complex. It was about this sort of thing. So so each so this according to this I went to this independent uh, Santa Barbara independent article. It says the dormitory's nine identical residential floors would be organized into eight houses with with eight suites shown here with eight bedrooms. So on each floor there are eight houses and then there are these suites in each house so one a single suite again is it's eight bedrooms all sharing um one kitchen area and one bathroom mm. that's a lot of people for one bathroom for like not not a big bath it's like a, a single one person bathroom being shared by eight people yeah that was also the quality of my dorm that uh, of not my dorm but the Tewksbury dorm that led to madness is that there were also no um, there were no private showers either. So oh. uh, I'm thankful I never had to to undergo a communal shower. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I often see reproduced in media that I've also never thankfully had to go through, and I I, I think that I would have been a very different person had I had to do that. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's fair to say. I think we all would have been different people. I mean, maybe that's why boomers are so uh, fucked up is because they all had to take like showers in high school with each other after yeah. gym class. There's that King of the Hill episode where yes, uh, Bobby is afraid to go in the communal I shower. Yeah, that is true. I remember that. I vividly remember that episode. And Hank's advice is to just count the tiles. Right. It's like it's like uh you know preparing yourself for the like uh, horrors of prison. Yeah. You just have to like lay back and think of Spain. this uh, independent article uh, it does say it talks about how the architect guy who left the board over this mcfadden says um it would qualify so if they built this and people lived in it like they said 4500 uh, it would qualify as the eighth densest neighborhood on the planet falling just short of dhaka bangladesh uh well and we all we all see how good Bangladesh is doing so you know maybe there's something to this it would be able to house Princeton University's entire undergraduate population or all five Claremont colleges 
Uh... I say screw it. Just build the thing and just put like put classrooms in one of the floor and just like designate one major like or like a couple majors that live and they never leave the building. It's sealed from the outside. Uh, Munger's next project: a train that circumnavigates the world. Yeah, it's Snowpiercer. This is yeah. Called, yeah, it's 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 you have to make your way from the bottom floor to the top to to try to get out of the the eternal tomb dorm. Yeah, I I, I don't know. The, the the more it's being set up, it sort of sounds like a, a competition. There there right. is this inherently competitive aspect to shoving all these people together. It doesn't feel like it's communal. It well, feels if they like if they seal it from the outside and it's like a it's like a thing where they're like what happens if we let these people just live in this proximity uh and see come back 10 years later it's like it could be like the uh like the vaults from fallout yeah <laughs> it's like they develop their own like culture and society and divergent and, evolution happens. right yeah uh it, i could easily see like this would be this would be a good premise for like a zombie movie where they've sealed off the dorm and the protagonists have to escape to the roof while they're avoiding the various cliques of zombies i mean if this is just gonna lead to more movies like dread and the raid where it's you know person trapped in a big tower building and they have to fight their way you know to the top and through the main bad guy i'm all for it yeah oh i'm a huge fan of building fear no fear (laughs) like building fear because they are they are giants. There is this thing, and they are representative of um, of a, a mass of humanity as opposed to just one human. So there is this idea that this building, that buildings are these larger-than-life creatures that represent these daunting obstacles for us, not necessarily places of, of comfort, but rather places where our struggles are meted out against the impossible giants of reality Mm. uh i saw i was watching you know what i watched recently that i was uh very happy with that i hadn't seen but had gotten good reviews was uh haunting of hill house oh yeah it's great yeah uh but that that's that's a property about how buildings buildings man (laughs) sometimes buildings are scary yeah i'm a big fan of the of the like subgenre of like architectural horror um of like, architectural horror what's uh yeah. what's another i'm trying to think of another well the biggest horror. the biggest one and self-admittedly i've started and gotten progressively farther but never uh finished reading but it, i've enjoyed all that i have it's just a very dense and difficult to read thing is uh it, of the architectural horror kind of maybe founded it or if not definitely like uh is kind of the golden standard is uh mm-hmm. the novel kind of uh experiment in storytelling novel house of leaves if you've mm, heard of it i haven't heard of it. it's kind of like a, a novel that it, it has a bunch of metatextual elements um and uh it's basically about a guy finds this old man's manuscript uh for a book that seems to be like an academic style uh you know thesis book about um a commentary on this film called the Navidson record that was this photojournalist who moved into a house mm-hmm. and the house seems to uh, be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside and have mm-hmm. all of these strange and mysterious and uh, eerie passageways and inconsistencies. Um, yeah. But as far as the main uh, reader narrative person can tell this manuscript about this film, this film doesn't actually exist. 
but it seems to be what he's reading seems to be starting to have negative effects on his real life. Uh, so it's this very interesting metatextual thing, also all kind of focused around this uh, eerie, seemingly ethereal kind of cosmic horror house that is yeah. uh, unbound by the laws of, of of reality. Yeah, or the the creation of an unnatural space in yes. which you feel unease, you feel a- against against the very atmosphere that you're in, the surrounding context of yourself has been poisoned and it's poisoning you as well recently i think august or so a movie came out that i actually i enjoyed quite a bit it was released in theaters i think it did decent for for the kind of small the mid-budget horror it was called the night house uh that was it's about a wife of an architect he dies by kind of like a out of the blue suicide and she's trying to grieve and everything but then she learns that uh there may be secrets to um him and a seemingly uh this house she keeps saying that's like an exact mirror copy of her house in dreams uh mm-hmm. and and what it may mean so it's also kind of a very like uh spooky ethereal house holding dark secrets thing it was very good i mean it's not amazing but i thought for what it was i was i thought it was very well done mm-hmm. i i i'm also this brings to mind jg ballard's high rise I haven't yeah. read, and then I know um, what's his name did an adaptation of it. The Kill List guy, uh, uh, yeah, what's that Ben Wheatley. Name? Ben Wheatley, yeah. right? I haven't seen his adaptation with Tom Hiddleston, but yeah, I, know I haven't he did seen one. it either. I know the general gist of it, though. The gist of it is there's a war in a high rise, and it's directly representative of uh, of class in England. Correct. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe this mega dorm, UC Santa Barbara, Munger Hall, uh, maybe it'll lead to, you know, it'll lead to some great art of these people living on the in, in the Thunderdome of, of dorms mm-hmm. trying to survive against all odds. Yeah. Or yeah, having wars between factions in, in the dorm and having turf wars in order to get uh, more more Lebensraum within the dormitory. Right. But who knows? Munger is 97. And also, Munger himself seems to be very fascinating. Like, he has – he's, like, he's a close associate of, like, Bill Gates. Um, I'm just going to pull up some information on uh, Munger himself. What's old, what's old Munger doing? Charles Munger, what an amazing robber baron name! It's 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 really uh, you know the phrase uh, uh, the word aptonym. No, but it, I'm where, assuming it's like an apt name. Yeah, where unintentionally like, uh, George, like George McGovern, right, is, right, right, politician. Or, of course, uh, yeah. That, that uh, drill sergeant called Max Fightmaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, not not Bill Gates. Sorry, I was wrong. I meant Warren Buffett. Yeah, because he's the yeah, vice chairman. Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway, which is controlled by Warren Buffett, and Buffett has described Munger as his closest partner and right hand man. Munger served as the chairman on Wesco Financial Corporation from 1984 to 2011. He's also the chairman of the Daily Daily Journal Corporation, based in L.A., and the director and a, a director of Costco Wholesale Corporation. Oh no! And Costco's everyone's favorite brand. I know he. So he any he, again? Maybe that's where he got the idea. He was just looking at a Costco, and he was like, "Hey, wait a minute!" Right. So we ag- can fit so many guys in here. So again, this guy is ninety-seven. He was born in nineteen twenty-four. So he was like a like a, you know he was like ten years old during the Great Depression. Yeah. Uh, ten ten to late 
teens of the Great Depression. So, like, he saw, like, tenement housing and and stuff like that. He's trying to, like, recreate the, the like, uh, the horrible, you know, <laughs> conditions he saw in his probably pampered childhood. I don't know um, here. I, it, it would be interesting if he was one of those guys that saw real poverty during the Depression and then became... Um then be like was like never again and became the ultimate robber baron guy in order to spite his his impoverished childhood this is so apparently he was born in omaha nebraska and as a teenager he worked for buffett and son a grocery store owned by warren buffett's grandfather his his dad was a lawyer, so I think he was fairly well off uh, as a child. And his grandfather was a district court judge and state representative. So, so he didn't even feel the effects of the debris. He's always been a poncy fancy boy of Omaha ever since yes. ever since his youth. Um, Which I imagine in sort of like Monty Burns curls. Yes, uh, he. It's this says he dropped out of college to serve in the uh, army as a second lieutenant. It doesn't say anything about if he served in World War II at all, which so maybe he got out easy. Maybe he was a desk jockey. Um, he studied meteorology at Caltech. Sure. But, uh, yeah, so through the B- GI Bill, he ended up at Harvard Law School, and then he made his way up to um, being an investor in the investment uh, you know, racket. And mm-hmm. I guess somewhere along the way, he got reconnected with his pal, warren buffett um and so yeah i don't know maybe he'll die though and the school maybe the school can just kind of stall and be like you know oh we're working on it yeah we'll get that we ran into a problem and then like he'll die before you know it's finished and then they can be like all right let's make this like not a death trap building i'm gonna seduce him and get him to change his will so that they can they can alter it that's my plan hmm He's going to discover his his nascent homosexuality late in life, and it's going to be it'll be like gods and monsters. I'll be Brendan <laughs> Fraser, and he'll be. It's uh, a good idea. He'll be Ian McKellen. Well, except James Whale was gay his entire. James Whale was incredibly gay his entire life. Oh, okay. And, uh, I don't. For that, I haven't seen it. that movie, so I don't know what goes on in it. It's it's about the flirtations uh, and recollections between old Universal monster movie director James Whale and his young uh, oh, gardener, I think. That sounds played fun. By, played by Brendan Fraser at the height of uh, Brendan Fraser madness. Wow. Well, I like 90s. Universal monster stuff, and I like Brendan Fraser, so I'll it's have a to good, check that out. It's a out. really good three three star, you know, three and a half star pseudo biopic. But yeah, gods and monsters. This Who is doesn't com- love gods and monsters. This is completely unrelated to the dorm thing. So uh, before we move on, I, I just thought of a random thing I want to talk to you about. But uh, yeah. do you have any final thoughts on on Mega Dorm One or uh, <laughs> its implications uh, for society? I I do I do hope this leads to more building horror. I'm a big fan of building horror. So yeah. uh, I I can only hope that the positive outcome of this will be more uh, movies and television shows about evil buildings. I call I call landlords uh, building whores, building whores, uh, building sex workers. Excuse yeah, sorry. me. Excuse uh, me. <laughs> um, yeah. All I can say is, um, you know, sometimes there are days when when I when I think, man, maybe maybe old Ted was. Uh, Maybe old old Ted was right about this whole technology and its consequences for society thing. 
Uh, you're talking about uh, old uh, Ted Turner and his uh, and yeah. his manifesto. Yeah, Ted Turner. His, his Atlanta manifesto. Why, why the Braves should keep the tomahawk chop. <laughs> exactly. You know, once we get rid of the tomahawk chop, there goes society. Sure. Um, yeah, so that's Megadorm 1. And I'm going to let the audience have a break because we were talking a lot. And then I have a completely random movie topic I wanted to talk to you about that I just thought of. The movies. Architects make a man, architects make a man, never change your point of view. have to see about Megadorm 1, whether it comes to fruition. If not, sign me up. I'm going back to school, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, get, I'm going to get I'm gonna get a, my degree in coding. Santa Barbara, beautiful beach community. I'll be in California. I'll, I'll be in California soon, so it'll just be a short trip down the road. Um, uh, anyway, um, movie randomly thought of, wanted to discuss with you. If you have seen it, we can talk. If not, I can convince you why to see it. Okay. Ha- have you seen... Uh, absolute, all, one of the all-time greatest for his type of genre of movies of action and adventure mm-hmm. and uh, genre twisting. Have you seen John McTiernan's film The 13th Warrior starring Antonio Banderas? A long, long time ago. It's very curious that you mentioned this because I was, I was looking up the Wikipedia page because um, I just remembered, oh, we really got Antonio Banderas to play an Arab guy. That yeah, was... that's... well. Weren't there a lot of Arabs in Spain around then, anyway? I I don't know how that sure, works. I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, I I think they're. I'm not gonna spend my until until a Arab person is like, no, that that's bad, and we shouldn't be cool with it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna worry too much about that yeah, piece of representation. I, I don't think anybody really cares uh, too much about that because nobody has seen the Thirteenth Warrior. Well, well, first let me ask: Are you are you a big? Are you, I, I'll personally say. I, I am down with McTiernan. I, what I've seen, I haven't seen all of his stuff, but what I have seen, I am a big McTiernan fan. Well, there's the Die Hards. I like, I've, I've only seen the first Die Hard, but I've seen it many times. Probably more than most movies, I've seen the first Die Hard. And I love also the Predator. Predator, oh, Predator. Original Hunt for Red October. Original Predator is is a one of my favorite movies. I think one of the best written movies best uh directed movies of all time it just yeah, every really tight everything works so well yeah, um, there's not a wasted moment i was thinking the other day about like just how i wanted to be like bill duke in that movie and carry around a razor and shave myself for no <laughs> yeah dr- dry yeah just <laughs> dry, just, a, just dry shaving dry shaving with like a with like a uh you know a uh an old school um what what do you call those Dispo- not disposable razor but uh, a, a safety razor safety razor right yeah. right um i, I love that i love a, I, I was that in the script or did bill duke improvise that but it's such a great way to convey information about this character about how he's a fucking weirdo with that right. 
without having to use any dialogue or anything like that. You know, uh, McTiernan also did a remake. I haven't seen it, but uh, he did a remake of one of my uh, a favorite ridiculous film of mine from the seventies, starring James Caan. Rollerball. Rollerball is great. He did a remake of Rollerball in the two thousands. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to its quality. All I heard, it's allegedly terrible, but it has okay. uh, LL Cool J in it. So, well, uh, are you a fan of McTiernan? I, I would have to say of all this stuff, I'm just reading the filmography and of everything I've seen, I, I loved it. Uh, Predator, yes. Die Hard, yes. Hunt for Red October, yes. I don't know what Medicine Man is. Last Action Hero, great movie. Very underrated movie. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, yes. Haven't seen Tom Grant, but I have seen 13th Warrior, yep. which is a, a, an incredible movie and also one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Right. Uh, famous, also famously, John McTiernan, uh, got a, prosecuted for perjury and lying to an FBI investigator. Actually, went to uh, federal prison for a, a, a short amount of time. So yeah. um, that would be an interesting topic to delve into because it's a very strange case of like wiretapping and and it's very odd. It's and how he's implicated is it's it's very complicated. So don't have time. But yeah, Thirteenth Warrior. Uh, I watched this recently, being a fan of what McTiernan I've seen, being a very big fan of it. Um, I was like, McTiernan, you got a like guy from like you know the kind of like Ottoman Empire, you know, period um, Arab guy getting sent as an emissary to basically the you know. Uh, scandinavian regions in what's basically the middle ages medieval times Mm -hmm. and he basically ends up banning up with uh and becoming a part of this crew of vikings who are sent to a uh village to fight off this uh kind of it's like a demon horde yeah demon horde of, of of folklore and and mystery yeah. Uh, and so it's it's got action. It's got like period drama. It's got uh, some you know kind of thriller uh, aspects of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. Based on a novel by Michael Crichton, actually. Yeah. And it's yeah. also a yes. I it, be remiss to mention um, it's a uh, loose adaptation of Beowulf. So he's he's fighting there. Is there a Grendel character he has to face? I believe there there's not it's not called Grindel there they are a uh they are like a uh this tribe of kind of they think they're like monsters but they f- turn out to be kind of like um you know inbred savages troglodytes if you will uh sort of a thing but this time it's okay because they're white people Oh, they're called Wendell. Wendell, yes. <laughs> that's, 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 and the mother of Wendell. It's a it's a big very... it's a big kind of um uh, statue in the uh, in the style of like the famous um, Venus statue of the of the with the big boobs and hips mm-hmm. uh, from prehistoric times. Um, right. So it, it's kind of like a, a twist on that meets also uh, inspired by the real life writings of. Ahmed Ibn uh, Fadlan's accounts of Vikings. He was an actual like Arab emissary. Um, so yeah, it, I mean it's just a fun kind of mashup. McTiernan's great at these kind of mashupy action movies where it's yeah. like Die Hard. Obviously, you've got you know Christmas mashed up with your comedy, mashed up with your uh, you know action hero, lone hero thing. Predator, of course, you got 
you know sci-fi horror meets your you know muscle-bound action men and yeah. uh this of course you've got kind of viking historical, historical fiction. fiction meets uh you know kind of uh action thriller yeah I, and what from what i remember about this this is probably the mctiernan movie with the highest ever production value it's very like, yeah no it's very like the effort they put into this of you know it being a period piece in medieval you know scandinavia it's very but like nice. building gigantic sets of like rickety wooden yeah uh, and it's it's and amazing that that would just be cgi today right but they fucking built that shit and there are like big battle scenes with like you know lots of extras mm-hmm. um and yeah there's not a lot of cgi there's some great uh of course it being mctiernan there's some great um you know melee combat action yeah. and 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 gore of you know people getting hit chopped with swords and axes and whatnot yeah it's a type of really big movie that doesn't get made anymore it, in the no. same vein well, as Waterworld it or did like cutthroat island it did which all lost money it did really poorly at the box office so yeah. yeah it's not not the type of thing you see made anymore uh it was it mainly because the sixth sense came out um mm. that same weekend so um it did prove that movies made for like three million dollars could heavily outsell these gigantic uh over bloated blockbusters right uh and like there you know there is some parts with the plot where it seems a little thin or drags but i know there's actually mctiernan says the cut that went out wasn't actually his real cut and there's actually an even longer version um that would be more his cut and i'm actually i think it would be one that would benefit from more space and time it being this kind of historical epic uh kind of like a kingdom of heaven situation i'd be very interested to see like the mctiernan's director cut of 13th warrior from from what i remember about it too is it's it's almost kind of uh, to accentuate the the mystic or mythical qualities of it it's it's told very poetically it's not fully linear and uh or am uh, i getting that wrong i mean it kind of starts with a it starts with um the antonio banderas character already kind of like mid-voyage on the on the sea on a viking ship and then he kind of recounts how he uh got to that point but i mean it's besides that it's fairly linear hmm. I, I i remember it being hard to follow but that's probably because i was like 10 when i saw it no nah, it's, it's fairly straightforward from that point on do or they're using like they make attempts for them to be using like period appropriate language or something. that is there is a whole part yeah there's a part where part of the journey as they're journeying to this village with antonio banderas he slowly has to learn the um the viking language so it shows kind of his process from not knowing it at all and basically having to speak greek with this one viking who happens to know greek and like you know that guy be his translator uh both ways um to antonio banderas it literally shows him as he sits around all these campfires along their journey slowly picking up words and Mm -hmm. until he can finally basically it it, you know it's a little bit of a uh, suspension of disbelief with how he suddenly can just speak the language flawlessly and then of course all of those uh all the viking characters suddenly speak english you know as as we're you know as the perspective of the movie shifts of them being all being able to understand each other which mctiernan is good at there's actually a really good video essay by a guy like called patrick willems he does one on 
Hunt for Red October and how it uses um, language specifically between, you know, the Russians and the Americans and how it mm-hmm. uses language very cleverly to uh, ground you in these different sides perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's better when they're just speaking English because the other option is the K-19, the Widowmaker, where they're Russians, but they're speaking English with Russian accents. And it's like, it, this is somehow breaking my suspension of disbelief more than if they were just speaking regular English. I watched a movie recently that had uh, quote-unquote Russian characters, but they were very clearly played by, like, English and, you know, UK, Irish, and Scottish actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, th- of course, they didn't have it in Russian. They just spoke English but with Russian accents. Sense, but mm-hmm. they've slipped into their like uk accents very like on and off <laughs> so that was very distracting it was like just just pick one or the other yeah uh but yeah the 13th war is so did this because i remember sort of this movie has the potential to be a movie that people have like a very strong emotional reaction to by virtue of its epicness and sort of um the weighty feeling that uh, the journey of Antonio Banderas, uh, you know, I I feel like I'm surprised this isn't on more people's like favorite movies ever list because I can see people getting really obsessed with it. If I had to guess, I think in the next 10 years, you're going to see a 13th warrior uh, hidden gem uh, become like a overused uh, thing where it's going to start appearing on all of the lists of like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. top movie. It it needs to get on a streaming service first. That's the thing. It's got to get on Netflix or 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 whatever, and be like, uh, you know, so people can discover it, and then be yeah. like, um, wow, this this is an underrated masterpiece, classic. It also has that really. It has that tacky '90s color grading that I love and wish would come back. Of like, kind of like the, uh, the like dark kind of like moody atmospheric uh type thing what do you mean well just how like all the colors in it are if i remember it correctly it's very a saturated movie in in the way that movies just aren't now like if you compare it to say a, a big production now like denis villeneuve's dune dune i called it dune for a second uh but uh how uh, especially since chris nolan all the color grading has been very gray and Mm-hmm. Uh, very muted, and uh, but how the colors in Thirteenth Warrior are very warm. Yeah, no, I'd say that's accurate. But there is a lot of it's a, filled up with a lot of dark space. Like the, it's a very dark movie in general, where it, most scenes will be completely in black, but there'll be spots of color here and there, giving it this sort of chiaroscuro look, which is uh, I like a lot. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. So. If you like McTiernan, if you like fun action movies or mashup type things or period pieces, uh, check out The 13th Warrior. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you get to see guys chop things with swords. Yeah. Uh, You know what I would. And it's a a complete world, too. You feel very invested in the world in the same way that uh, you feel invested in, like, a movie like the original Blade Runner. It's a very complete artistic vision of that time period. Right. So, yeah, check it out. Well, uh, 
you know, a little little more free form on today's show. Um, you know, we had our main topic of the Megadorm, but uh, you know, just one, you know, always always just wanting to uh experiment and 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 feel just go where I feel drawn for this show and what the topic is. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Alex, uh, thank you again. Always for, good to for be on guest the show. hosting. Um, thank you for having me. Of course, my pleasure. Uh, do you have any? Any topics or any any thoughts you 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 wanted to express uh, on the show before we wrap things up? Um, I just that I've become a Mike Flanagan fan, a Flanagan. So uh, if you ever have me on the show next to talk about some of the works of Flanagan, I that's I'm I'm there. So I'm there, whatever his next bit is. So you you've watched Haunting of Hill House. Have you watched the other series? He's no. Done? I need to get on to Bly Manor. I've watched Midnight Mass. Okay, but uh, I need to watch Bly Manor. Okay, Bly Manor is a lot more uh, chilled out. It's Bly Manor is a lot more mellow than than both Hill House and uh, and uh, Midnight Mass. I'll I think say. I'm into that because both of the both of those are very heavy handed. So well, it might be nice to have a chiller it, one. Well, it's I wouldn't say that it's not heavy handed, but it's more like there. It's not as like uh, constantly thrilling and uh, intense. It's more low key, I'd say. Yeah. In its vibe. Uh, Is it the same thing where ghosts are just gaslighting you constantly? And yes. That's where the horror comes from. Well, there are, there are there are background ghosts uh, uh-huh. to some degree. So watch out for those. Um, have you seen any of his movies he's done? Yeah, I love Doctor Sleep. I think uh, what else has he done? Uh, he did Oculus. Oh, I need to see his early stuff. So, I didn't. Yeah. Li- I don't like Oculus that much. He did a movie called Hush that's decent-ish. Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that. It's an all right I'm... kind of slasher movie thing. It's his. Uh... Hush, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Okay, I guess I haven't seen... Oh, I, I love his Gerald's Game. His version of Gerald's Game is really good. I haven't seen his Gerald's Game. It's on Netflix. That is a really good... It's uh, and uh, it's Carla Gugino uh-huh. acting the shit out of it. And uh, it's probably Stephen King's most horrifying book, or is one that leaves you with like a lingering sense of fear because it's all about a woman who's trapped in a cabin who's tied to her bed... Right. Uh, after her husband has a heart attack during while, a sex while game. While they have kinky sex, right. Yeah. And it's just that she has to get unstuck from the bed. Yeah, and that's the whole premise. But, okay. uh, yeah. And so, I, I, to me, the best horror is the one that leaves you with, like, just a lingering thought of how, um, of how terrible a feeling would be. Right. Uh, and that really does that in that movie. So, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the especially in midnight mass the excessive monologuing um i can see how it could turn people off but because it's all about like catholicism and all about sort of like kierkegaardian how do we face our eternal selves when death is all around us and despair is all around us it's totally my jam uh i i love that i love very heavy-handed catholic shit that's why Uh i love the video game blasphemous uh and you know it's Mike. It's Mike Flanagan doing very heavy-handed Irish Catholic shit. Good old Flan Flanagan name, you know. Good old Irish. Heavy-handed, uh, yeah. Catholicism and alcoholism. Yes, yeah. It's it, we have not just one character who's haunted by alcohol demons, but two characters haunted by alcohol demons. Yeah, you'll love them both. Uh, so no, I would agree. I've enjoyed his stuff, and he seems it's he's slated next to now make a. 
uh, Fall of the House of Usher adaptation in some. I sort. am down. Talk about you know things that are representative of our the general crumbling capitalism around us. Is that another spooky building? It's another. Yes. It's another spooky. Building. It's going to be the the haunting, the falling of the haunting of the House of Usher. <laughs> yes, the haunt fall of Usher. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah so cool glad to know that we can talk maybe when that series comes out we can have you back on and and yeah. talk about that uh anyway glad to have you on the show as always uh everyone make sure to check out uh the house of decline podcast uh to hear uh alex as well as his wonderful co-host and they riff and talk about all sorts of fun stuff recently i know you did uh you did a good dune episode um, <laughs> yeah it's kind of about dune but it's uh, more about love. Right. Uh, well, what else is there to say about it? Uh, and as well as you draw some wonderful comics, uh, mm -hmm. and you can find those on your Twitter or on your on the website. So just check out House of Decline for some cool stuff. Okay, and glad to have you. Glad everyone listens. Hope you enjoyed today's episode about the Megadorm and other things. Uh, and that's all I got to say. Um any uh well listen to this listen to this podcast more you you weasels yeah you, and someone for the love of god you did you hear we did a thing a couple weeks ago where we threatened that austin would be forced to say a racial slur on air if <laughs> in, unless someone left a written review on apple podcasts and yeah. no one did and then austin had to say a racial slur on air there you go did you boop it no, it's it's full and uncut. You can go listen to it. It's on it's on the our episode. Uh, it's on the Star Wars uh, <laughs> lore episode. He says some horrible horrible things. He's been thoroughly go. canceled for it, and that's there your you fault, listener, for not literally. You can leave a one word. You, leave a one word review. You can just say good, bad, fuck you, whatever you want. Yeah. Just something. Come on, let me know you're listening. Let me know you're out there. We know I'm not talking to to bots and myself. That's the show, everyone. See Bye. you next time. Bye. <laughs>